Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky. And joining us today, we've got Ruth Ponierski, who is a talented artist and author who's had a very interesting journey and has just published a uh, memoir, The Journey of the Self-Memoir of an Artist. Welcome aboard, Ruth. Thank you for having me. So, Ruth, your your memoir deals heavily with your from um, journey and issues with mental illness. And you've had a a different experience than a lot of people who have faced mental illness challenges and that yours came on as a result of events at a party? Yes, I um, I was at a very uh, small party in my fourth year of architecture school. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was an interesting party. It was PhD physics students. Right. And I was conversing with them the whole night. I didn't eat anything. So by the end of the night, I was famished. Right. And the host, the host of the party, a scheming male friend, gave me a brownie laced with angel dust. Mm, so that's I, terrible. I ate the brownie. It was, it was delicious. I hadn't eaten the whole time. And right after that, I hallucinated a bed of lit white candles cavernous, like a dark space. I wanted to jump out the window, and um, he, I, this male friend of mine had to hold me back from running, out, jumping out the window. I rested for an hour, and then after that, I went to my car. I, I left the apartment, got into my car, drove to the New York State Thruway, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, a paranoia just overtook me, and a hallucinated imagination took over. I was imagining that the capitalists and the socialists were in a violent, bloody revolution, and all my people were leaving the Earth in spaceships. So I felt real strong abandonment. Right. I thought I was going to be in an apocalyptic apocalyptic world. So anyway, I I got on the throughway. I abandoned my car on the shoulder of the throughway. I walked on the shoulder of the throughway for 12 miles south. Then it, the dawn came. It was from 12 a.m. to the dawn. And then when the sun rose, I reality kind of hit me for a moment, and I hitched a ride back to my college town where my apartment was. And there my father was there, and that devious male friend was there with his roommate, and my other roommates from my apartment were there, and I just was so disengaged, I ignored them. But from that moment on, that was the first of many breakdowns. So that followed. So, you know, that's a horrific thing to have happen. Anybody spiking or providing you a substance without your knowledge is a disgusting thing to do. But absolutely, I, and he was scheming. He wanted to be know, intimate, and that wasn't uh, there for me. You know, no, I understand, thought, and that's you know, yeah. that's. I mean, unfortunately, with all trauma, you can't change what happened in the past. And no, it's just, can't. it's right. It's the action. And we spend our lives working to get over these things and to, to move forward, but to recognize that it happened. It happened to me, not by me. And therefore we move forward from that point. But a lot of times when these things, not, you know, this type of instance happen, but when people start dealing with depression, anxiety, mania, and, you know, the insomnia that comes with it and a lot of other mental uh, issues, you know, they're, they're mental injuries. But 
they're rooted in childhood experiences that we awaken to at a later point. When you were going through your treatments, did that, did this, was this recognized as the trigger or the, the incident that really set everything apart and everything prior to that, you never had issues? Oh, this was a trigger. And I'll tell you, I want to preempt the trigger. Mm-hmm. My sophomore year of college, of the architecture program, I smoked, in the fall, I smoked heavily marijuana. Right. And one night, and, and one night I blacked out for like four hours. And then after that, I said, you know what? I went cold turkey, no more. But it left me, I was depressed. Right. I was slightly paranoid, anxious, goalless, and passive in life and in my studies. And mm-hmm. that lingered, that lingered on for a couple of years so that when I had taken the, when I ingested the PCP, the angel dust, that just tipped me over the edge. Right. So those demons from the sophomore year followed me. I didn't, I didn't go to therapy to uh, alleviate myself from those symptoms of, of smoking heavily. And then that, then the, the angel dust just tipped the whole thing off. Right. I mean, so, they, com- they compound, unfortunately. Absolutely. Even though it was two years prior to that incident of the PCP. Um, but it did, in, in my treatments, it set off a pattern of psychosis in me. Um, and it was unusual because I would have a breakdown about every six months to a year. Right. Triggered by social situations, social stress. And yeah. I had a very severe conscience. I always thought, oh, I said the wrong thing. I got too personal. My breakdowns are transparent. People can see through me. I had a very low self-esteem, uh, compounded by all of these breakdowns that I had. But in between the breakdowns, I would lead a life. I, went, I finished my schooling. Mm-hmm. I worked in the field. I traveled alone to Europe. Mm-hmm. And, but then again, that was a normal time in between breakdowns. And I did my best to hide those breakdowns from my friends. Of course we do, because those traumas are things which people, people may be sympathetic, but a lot of people are afraid of being judged or are judged. And that's a terrible thing because they're, again, they're injuries. There's things that were done to you, not the other way around. And you're, it's not like a broken arm where everybody can see it and go, ooh, you know, the the brain is yeah. is us. And, uh, and that, it's also that very reflects. gray. It's gray. Mm-hmm. It's subliminal and it's gray. And it's just, not easy to pin down because it also protects itself at every turn. So to actually get to the problem is difficult. So, you know, today you're, you're an artist. Your works are displayed broadly. You've written this book. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good, you know. That's, that's good. I mean, path, it, I'm productive, um, and I've also have gotten over these patterns of psychosis. Right. And I'll tell you, my last, my last incident, my last break was in 2010, where I was hospitalized, and the the uh, head doctor there, the head psychiatrist raised my medication. I discovered this medication back in the early 2000s. 
And then when I was in the hospital in 2010, the right dosage was prescribed. And I'm telling you, the medicine really helped. Mm-hmm. And and the most effective medicine I've been on, I've been able to sort of break the pattern of psychosis of breaking down. Yeah, I mean, once the brain's chemistry is off, it's very difficult to find the right medications. But when you do, you have to stick with them. I mean, it's something which one of the challenges for people that are being treated or families around people being treated is people think they're fine and they stop taking them so that you've stuck to it is tremendous. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, in 1977 was my first break. Right. It took roughly over 20 years, 25 years to find the right medication. And from that, from that 1977, it took me seven years to find the right high risk psychiatrist to treat me. Right. And that, and that 1984, I was in a, uh, uh, my breakdowns culminated in a horrific accident, 1984, where I fell 30 feet. I went seven days without sleep. That's horrible. And my first psychiatrist, he was remiss. He never asked me, how are you sleeping? That's the first sign of me going downhill, not sleeping ruminating my mind was racing i was psychotic a little bit imagining people were going to persecute me due to my low self-esteem and this first psychiatrist i had never really picked up on the pattern of my psychosis never preempted a breakdown coming on 1984 again after that horrific accident i was hospitalized for two months i found the right high-risk doctor. And from that moment on, the breakdowns became spaced apart every three or four years, instead of six six months to one year. And in 1988, from the suggestion of my my new psychiatrist, he said, why don't you turn to painting? Right. That's when I started painting. And that's recognized as being a phenomenal type of therapy as well. It's art, art-based therapy where you express yourself and the issues you're and the emotions, your struggles you're dealing with through your art. And some people do it and it's very obvious their torments and some people do it in a way that they are creating their peaceful place. How, how do you approach it? Well, I approach it, um, Actually, you know, my training in architecture mm-hmm. gave me an, uh, an advance in painting. My paintings yes. are surreal allegories. Okay. And what happened was I was able to channel my active imagination. Mm-hmm. And I was able to um, draft the painting in, seri- in a series it would come out. I right. would develop the story as I painted the painting using photographs as references. But the paintings are not necessarily violent or depressing um, or uh, totally reflected of of depression of of my past experiences. Right. Rather, they are stories that could be sad or happy. Interpret them any way that you want to, but they were not morose. Right. Um, no, of course. And that's... Because, yeah, some people, you know, when they have you know, morose illnesses, the pain out 
like that. But yeah. mine are not like that. Mine no, are, and that's that's be, a nice yeah. aspect of, you know, a, a therapy in the stage, you know, being more advanced along the path is your brain and your emotions and you're always looking for that hope and that path. So it's that journey through the challenges, but it is also the the hope of getting to a destination which is peaceful. And the peaceful is, you know, something that is inside of you. Inside, but sometimes it takes a long time to find. It does. It does. And, you know, people who are dealing with, you know, and my, I'm working on a project, a uh, mental health project with a few therapists and, you know, people are working through different aspects. We've looked at it and we've realized it's mental injury. It's not mental health or wellness. Um, it is mental injury that people are trying to overcome. And we need to start looking at it that way to be able to get to the root issues because otherwise we're going to keep, you know, we don't get straight to the problem as effectively. Um, so today, you know, you've, You've got this book. Where, when is it coming out? Where is it going to be available? Oh, the book is out. The book is I, out. It's sorry, out yes. Where, where is it available? I misphrased. <laughs> um, you could get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you could go to my website at www.ruthponyarski.com. Right. Uh, should I spell that? Should I spell no, uh, we'll put it up in the uh, link later. And okay, for good. Peop- yeah. And who who is the reader you're looking for is it somebody who's going oh. through their own journey or somebody who's trying to help somebody through their own journey or somebody who's just oh, interested oh, in learning i think i think college students mm-hmm. this book okay. i think parents of college students parents of of and before college parents should read the book because it's informative and it kind of brings you into the raw thinking of an individual going through these psychosis and these breakdowns and you know, the failure to find the right medication and the failure of the finding the right doctor and and it, it it's it's a catharsis on my part. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very educational for somebody who's going through it or somebody who's depressed and, and doesn't want to continue their life. Right. Um, it's very uplifting. And also, another point is, if I can go through all of those breakdowns, and there were many of them, many death-defying breakdowns, somebody reading that and saying, well, you know, this, this, this woman went through all of this, and I'm not even half going through that. I can get through what I'm going through because she got through all of that. You know, it's yes. like a model. Yeah. And that's that's inspiring and, you know... I think any of us who do participate in trying to assist with, you know, mental related diseases and injuries, our hope is to, or is twofold, is to help break the cycle so it doesn't happen to somebody else and to help somebody from causing self-harm. And uh, your book is obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And I said, and obviously your book is speaking to exactly that audience. Oh, yes, it is. Definitely. So, and there's another thing also yep. that I want to add. Sure. Psychosis is a, we are creatures of habit. Yep. Just like sleep is a habit. So if you, if you get out of that pattern of sleep, you really have a big deficit of sleep. It's a pattern that you have to reestablish yourself. Same thing with the mind. It's a pattern of psychosis. 
pattern of the way you're thinking. All our behaviors are patterns, and we learn them, and we have to unlearn the inappropriate ones, um, because otherwise we just don't break those cycles and we torment ourselves. Ruth, we are out of time for today, but I want to thank you for joining us. Your, you know, your story and your voyage is, and your recovery is inspiring, and it's wonderful to see you reaching um, the potential of having a happy uh, life and being able to help others. Thank you very much for having me, and I hope that it really helps people. I hope that they really buy the book and read it and really think about it. I think everybody who hears stories like these is is helped, one way or the other. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Have a wonderful I day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks. And thanks, and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again with you shortly. I'm Richard Zwicky.